This is Know It All, the ABCs of Education, a platform of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC, where we empower our listeners with insightful information about equity in education. Welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. We are on the air every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Of course, you can always listen to the show at any time from your computer at blogtalkradio.com forward slash knowitall. That's where you can access the chat room during the show and follow Know It All for regular updates. I am your host, Allison R. Brown, president of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC, where we create education equity plans and promote equity in education in compliance with federal civil rights law. Our website is allisonbrownconsulting.com. There you can read our blog and subscribe to the ABC Know It All newsletter. If you're tweeting, follow me at Allison R. Brown and tweet about the show with the hashtag KnowItAllABC. Today, we are talking about the quest for PhDs. My guest today is Dr. Shireen Lewis. Dr. Lewis is the executive director of EduSeed and founder of EduSeed's Sister Mentors Program. She is a former dean and teacher of a high school for girls in Trinidad. Dr. Lewis has taught at several universities, including as visiting professor at the University of Virginia. She's presented her scholarship in the United States and abroad, and she received her PhD in French literature from Duke University, and her law degree from the University of Virginia School of Law. I welcome you to the show, Dr. Lewis. Thank you so much for being on Know It All. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us first, what is EduSeed? It's a nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C., and its mission is to promote education among um, traditionally underserved um, communities such as women and people of color. Mm-hmm. And, it, and has how- been around, it has been around for, uh, since, since 2000. Since 2000. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Sister Mentors is an outgrowth of EduSeed? Well, actually, Sister Mentors was around before EduSeed was created. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Sister Mentors came into being um, when me and um, a few other women who were working on our dissertations for our doctorates, we, dis- we got together um, at a bookstore here in D.C., which was Sister Space and Books. Mm-hmm. And we got together at that bookstore and decided that we needed to form a community to help each other complete the dissertation and earn the doctorate. And that was in the fall of 1997. Um, and we did that. Um, and then um, other women kept joining us. Uh, we got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then a few years later, we decided that we, the reason why so few of us were um, in our departments and at our universities was because the pipeline was not being fed, and that's when we decided to reach back and mentor young girls of color from low-income families, uh, encouraging, inspiring them to stay in school, do well, and go on to college. Mm-hmm. And why, why is it important? Why, why have you made this? You do a lot of things. You do so much. You're involved in so many things. So this is not your entire life's work. But why have you made this a part of your life's work? Um, Because it's important for 
um, several reasons. It's important for more women of color to earn doctorates. Um, mm-hmm. People think tradition. People traditionally think of doctorates as preparation only for the academy to go on and become a professor at a university or a college. But there is so much more that you can do with a doctorate. Um, I mean, we have we have helped so far 50. That's five zero women of color to earn doctorates, and they have gone on to work in several different fields. We have a woman who is an executive at Google, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, one works at um, Department of Health and Human Services, so she works for the government. Another who works, who has head up, who heads up a nonprofit that helps women and girls in Tibet. Um, and I mean, you know, of course, we have women who have gone back into the academy and who are now tenured professors. But the doctorate is a very versatile thing, and the skills that you learn from it, I think, um, it's, uh, you may not be able to, um, to get those skills elsewhere. So I think the doctorate is very important for women of color. There are very few of us with doctorates, although um, the numbers are indeed increasing, as the data shows. And the other important reason why I do this work is because um, we need to really be concerned and to take um, action to help young um, people of color, and for us it's young girls of color, um, from low-income families to um, do well in school, to be mentored, to do well in school, to go on to college, and then they have the opportunity to go on to get um, higher education from there. That is very important when we think about the sort of income inequality gap that so many of us are talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Education has been shown to be certainly uh, a way to um, stop the cycle of low education and low income that many um, people of color face today. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the, the data, what the data shows. What does the data show with respect to women of color getting their PhDs? Right, so the data shows that there are more and more women in general um, in higher education. Let's just even start with uh, simply at the college level. More and more, apparently um, what the data is showing is that women are outnumbering men at, um, at the college level. Um, and then it's showing that women of color are including in that number. We are, um, certainly seem to be outnumbering men when it comes to college. And the data also is showing that um, more and more women and more and more women of color are getting um, advanced degrees, including um, the doctorate. Um, the numbers are increasing. Um, it doesn't mean that um, uh, we, sh- we should stop there just because the numbers are increasing. These things sometimes tend to come in cycles. So at some points, we are very low on the scale as far as our numbers, and then at some points, the numbers increase. It's a matter of maintaining um, some, um, some high and good numbers for us, um, and I think that is the challenge. So yes, the data shows an increase in the number of women who are getting advanced degrees, including uh, women of color who are getting advanced degrees, including um, doctorates. So that's what the data is showing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, and, of course, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean, of course, that our salaries are increasing um, mm-hmm. on, the, on the same level as white women, for instance, or, of course, not at all on the same level as white men. 
um, but our education, our pursuit of higher education and our, our attainment of higher education degrees, the data is showing that that is increasing. Mm-hmm. So how does it work? If I, want, if I think I want to get my Ph.D. and I am a woman of color, how do I begin with you? Um, you mean with me as in Systementos or in general, what is the path towards it? Well, with sister mentors, what is the process? Right. Okay. So for us, um, the process is um, we uh, we are we are looking at women of color who, um, and this is this is women of all colors. This is um, uh, you know Latina Latinas, um, Black or African American women, Asian American, Native American women, women all women who. Um, consider themselves um, women of color. That's that's the category um, that we deal with. Um, Asian American women included in that too. And so we are looking for again, based on data, we again we are now look we are look for women who have completed all their coursework, because you have to do a few years, either two or three years of coursework, like it, and that sort of um, mimics what you do as an undergrad. You go to class, you take, a, you take a course, you take your classes, and then you write a paper at the end of the semester. You hand it in and you get a grade. That's, that's very, um, very familiar. It's very easy. We, we know that because we have gone through college or we've gone through the undergrad process. What is not familiar um, is after you are done with your coursework and then you now have to research and write a dissertation. That is very mm-hmm. unfamiliar terrain, and that's where you get what people call ABDs, all but the dissertation. That's where people tend to drop out. That's, where the, what, that's what the data shows. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. high dropout rate at that point for all people and for all genders, uh, for both mm-hmm. men and women, actually. Um, of course, the numbers are always higher for us um, because the culture is always different. We always experience the culture differently. So... Um, uh, so, so we, so we are looking for women who uh, have done all their coursework and they're looking to research and, and they're looking to research and write. They're moving now towards the dissertation, and those are the women who we are looking to help. Um, mm-hmm. So um, they contact us through. I mean, they may have heard of us through word of mouth, from looking at from searching the internet, or sometimes their professors tell them to give us a call, and. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, basically there are several steps um, before they come in, um, several conversations that take place, several pieces of written work that must be submitted, um, and then, of course, uh, um, an orientation, um, having them fully understand what the program is about, um, what happens, what, what, what we do are two things, as I mentioned previously. Um, women, we are women of color who are working on dissertations for doctorates, so there are monthly meetings for that. And then mm-hmm. we are also women of color who are committed to helping young girls of color from low-income families get into college, and that there is there are uh, mentoring sessions, scheduled mentoring sessions for that as well, and other activities that we do um, with the um, young girls. Um, so um, that's kind of a sort of general, uh, sort of broad stroke of um, of what happens um, at Systementos. We do writing retreats, which are a very big part of what we do. Um, mm-hmm. We go on retreats to write, where they spend anywhere from three to seven days writing every day and um, 
making really great progress on their dissertations. The bottom line for us in Systementos is the creation of community, um, a community of women who are helping each other. And this is a long-established tradition in black communities around the world, creating community and looking out and helping each other get through a task. Um, as a matter of fact, I think there is an African saying that says, uh, a, prof a proverb that says, um, if you want to go faster, you go alone. But if you want to go further, you go mm -hmm. together. Um, and that's actually a, that's the whole notion of, of, of um, community and helping each other, which, as I mentioned, is a long tradition for black people, I think, everywhere in the world. Um, but I think it's a tradition that um, some of us um, uh, are losing um, because we are beginning to buy into this idea of um, this sort of rugged individualism where um, the, the individual comes off as the hero or the superhero um, without the help of anybody else. And that's not how anything is done, but it's particularly not how uh, I think black people have been successful throughout the centuries. That, that's really interesting. I, I wonder if you would talk a little bit about your own experience and how it was that you decided you wanted to get a PhD and a law degree and and your 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 personal journey through that process. Sure. Um, um, well, I am I was born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago, um, which is a Caribbean island, um, almost in South America, actually very close to Venezuela, um, and. Um, grew up at a time right after um, Trinidad became independent from Britain. Um, the, mm -hmm. the country has been colon had been colonized. Well, you know, of course, uh, the native peoples who lived there, the decimation of those people um, by Christopher Columbus and other Europeans, uh, the slave trade from Africa that brought um, people to Trinidad and other Caribbean islands, colonization, and then independence, and then here we are today. So the kind of uh, historical trajectory um, of the country. So I, I, my parents grew up at a time when education was not open to everyone. So they, um, so they, they did not have the sort of educational opportunities that I had growing up in um, a post-independent um, country um, run by a prime minister who was a Ph.D. from Oxford um, mm -hmm. and, also, and who was a historian who wrote um, several history books, which are still in print and used in university classrooms today, um, and who was... Um, uh, and who did a lot of his, um, his, his, his textbook writing while he was um, prime minister, actually, but uh, a, a prime minister who was a great role model, um, that he was a black man, essentially, who um, himself um, grew up in a poor, um, a poor family and um, uh, got a scholarship to Oxford, did quite well there, and then taught mm -hmm. at Howard University here in Washington, D.C. for a while, um, and then went back basically to to be a politician um, in what was then 
colonial Trinidad and then became the first leader um, of Trinidad after independence. So a great role model for myself and children of my um, generation. Um, and so um, I became very familiar with a PhD because he had one and because our parents taught um, talked a lot about the fact that he had a PhD. Um, he was considered to be brilliant, and he was. Um, and so I knew from a very young age what a PhD was because our prime minister had one, and our parents talked about it almost every day. Um, so um, uh, I actually grew up in um, in, um, in a village um, in Trinidad, which um, is um, a little ways from um, one of the, the second or third largest towns in the country. Um, and um, we did not have a school in our village. Um, and I was fortunate enough at around the age of eight where a, f a first school was built. Um, and I went to that school. And the, the, the magic about that place was that um, it, it was a new school with very bright and... Um, very um, dedicated teachers, young, mm -hmm. bright, and dedicated teachers who wanted mm -hmm. to see the students do well. And it's, it's the idea of this sort of freshness, this sort of um, something coming out of nothing which permeated the entire environment of that school, and I was very fortunate to be a part of that. Um, mm -hmm. so I was mentored by a young um, teacher who was around 21 years old, and she took me under her wing and... Um, basically uh, pushed me to do all kinds of things I thought I couldn't do. And um, my self-confidence, I would say, certainly hit the roof from then on. And I, um, I became um, very focused on um, doing well um, in the activities that she pushed me to do, like sports. And mm -hmm. that translated into, that, that transferred over into academics. And I also... Um, began doing very well in ac academics and um, never and, and, and sort of took off um, with that and never really turned back from that. Hmm. So um, that's a kind of long um, answer to your question, but that's kind of the grounding um, that I had, which um, made me understand too, and that also was the time of the black power movement here in the United States, which was actually influencing a lot of black people all over the world. Um, we certainly saw, certainly saw the impact in Trinidad. And from a very young age, I became um, cognizant of what it is means to be black um, in Trinidad and also in the world, and black in the sense of, of being African descent, what that meant. I also became very aware um, of the plight of black people in the world, um, and I also felt an obligation to my race in order to do well and be successful, especially when it came to intellect, to being uh, intellect or education, and um, that was something that struck me at a very early age. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. And you talked earlier about the importance of of removing barriers to opportunity for women and girls uh, who are interested in PhDs. What are some of those barriers to opportunity that you have seen? Well, um, it, well, in, well more and more so today, uh, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> economics is certainly playing a role in um, um, in us being able to go to um, 
some of those elite schools if if we don't have the funds or we don't have or we don't get the scholarships. Um, <clears throat> I think there was recently something that came out that showed um, that um, you know if you don't have the legacy or you don't have the income, um, you're basically priced out of most um, of these elite quote unquote elite um, universities. So that certainly impacts us. Um, impacts us negatively, um, and that is a barrier for us. Um, I mean, our race and gender always con it continues to be a barrier to us. Um, you know, um, we are always um, considered to be lesser than um, just because of our race, the double, the, 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 double, the double thing about both race and gender. Um, mm -hmm. So we are perceived in certain ways, um, and that has been shown um, time and time again to be the case, well, very well documented, um, uh, you know. And, um, you know, some of us um, do not grow up in certain, um, you know, we don't grow up in certain environments which give, which sort of, um, which gives us some sort of culture that I, I kind of put it in the terms of gives, gives us some sort of cultural signals as to mm -hmm. how we act or behave or what we should say in certain social um, situations. Um, so that also um, is a barrier to us. And I think one of the, um, the things that we don't talk enough about, which is a barrier to us, is um, sort of what um, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about, not having enough spiritual resources to deal with um, the sort of daily challenges of life, and I, um, I want to add not just spiritual resources, but I want to add to spiritual resources the sort of emotional resilience that we mm -hmm. need to um, to be able to face the challenge, a lot of challenges in life, and and that is something that I've become more and more focused on um, because I think. Uh, that is something that we should be paying attention to in schools. How do we build for kids in general, but also for kids of color in particular, how do we build that sort of spiritual slash emotional resilience that they would need in order to be able to cope with all sorts of different situations and also to be able to be really um, healthy um, and successful and a sort of healthy success. Um, and always keep things in perspective. So um, that's the kind of stuff um, I think. Um, the kind of some of the some of the barriers I think that we face. Mm -hmm. And then of the for the fifty women who have come through the Sister Mentors program, what are some of their contributions to their fields? Um, we have. Um, uh, one of the women who has written an award-winning um, book, Coretha Mitchell, who is a, now a tenured professor of English at Ohio State. Um, her book, titled Living with Lynching, has won an award, uh, mm -hmm. has won an award and she um, has really, um, is doing wonderful work and has done wonderful work um, on, um, on black people and lynching. Um, some very tough um, uh, Issue, I mean, some very uh, tough topics within that, but she perseveres and, and does a great job. Uh, we have, as I mentioned, a woman, uh, we have a Latino woman, Desmonique Bonnet, who is an executive at Google and making tremendous contributions there. We have um, 
uh, Luson Rabji, who is um, one of the first Tibetan women in the West to earn a doctorate, and she is heading up a nonprofit here in Washington, D.C., that's um, helping um, um, uh, Tibetans in general, um, but especially um, women and girls in Tibet as well, to get an education, and that's a quite a very successful project. We have quite a few women who have gone on to um, become professors um, and have earned tenure, uh, making um, lots of contributions, um, scholarship as well, as sort of mentoring relationships with their students as well. And um, also women have gone on to work for the government as well, um, so the federal government that is. So, um, you know, lots of different paths the women have taken and making all kinds of different kinds of contributions. Mm -hmm. So for women of color who say, you know, I'm working or I'm working and raising a family and I just don't have time for my PhD, although I really would love to get one, what do you say to them? Um, I say that um, if it's something that they really want, if they're really passionate about it, um, they um, they can they can um, they can uh, sort of um, carve out the time um, to do it. There are many different ways now, um, depending on what sort of degree you want. At the doctoral level, there are many different ways of doing of of getting um, getting a doctorate. Um, you know, uh, we have all this online stuff going on now. Um, so the mm -hmm. traditional brick and mortar uh, universities have. Um, online classes, and they're getting more and more into that. Um, but I would say that, um, you know, uh, I, I think that what we, I think what we always have to come back to and all, what we always have to use as, as, as our foundation is not so much what's kind of uh, sort of out there, but it's it's always looking back back at our own history and where we are in that process. And that's something I think a lot of young people don't know too well, and I blame myself and other uh, adults uh, of my generation and older. We are not teaching our um, young people of color enough about their history. Um, and I think if we always have our history front and center, we always will act from that base. In the set, in the set, that will always be our foundation from which we do everything that we what we want to do. Um, so that for the woman who says, "I'm too busy. I have a, I have children. I have whatever," I think if you understand that your um, parents, or maybe not your parents, or maybe it's your grandparents or your ancestors or your forebears, however you want to put it, did not have the type of opportunities that we had today. And so many of them gave up so many things, including their lives, if for us to have um, the opportunities that we have. And the, the, one of the major ones, of course, is the opportunity to get um, an education and to, to get an advanced degree. I think if we understand that on a fundamental level, then nothing could stop us from going for what we want to go for. Um, and I think that's very important um, for us to always remember. I think the role of memory and the role of history has such a big part to play for us today if we have the memory and if we know our history, and that is what will take us anywhere we want to go. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so speaking of history, we recently celebrated the 60th anniversary of Brown versus the Board of Education, the, the uh, 1954 Supreme Court decision that, that found that separate but equal in, in public schools had no place. And I wonder if you would just reflect on that for a moment um, from from your perch there at, at uh, Sister Mentors, and also speak a little bit about the path, the 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 historical path of the the especially the Black PhD since Brown, um, and since segregation and uh, desegregation came to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the stories that I have heard of, uh, you know, from from folks who lived it, uh, of black PhDs going into schools and teaching their children, and and uh, you know, children being taught by by people with PhDs, and that was a that was a real thing, a very concrete, tangible thing for them to consider. Uh, and now it seems the path for black PhDs is is somewhat different. Will you just Speak to those two things, your your reflections on Brown and uh, the path of the black PhD, the historical path of the black PhDs. Yeah. Um, well, um, you know, I think um, everyone would acknowledge that um, today schools are very segregated. Um, so I don't know if it's a resegregation or if yeah, I suppose that you could you could you could term it a sort of resegregation of schools. Um, a friend of mine recently said, well, you know, I think the the thing is that um, uh, no, nobody's being bussed anywhere anymore. Because remember, they had the whole thing about bussing students, children, mm-hmm. to schools so that they would sort of help with the integration um, of schools. Um, so, I mean, so, um, so schools are um, segregated today. Um, you and I think, um, uh, of course, I mean, some of it is driven by race, but I think a lot of it is driven by economics. You know, who has money to send their kids where, um, mm-hmm. and then doesn't have the money to stick with the public school, which perhaps is not working, uh, is not doing, is not doing its job, is not, it's not working, uh, it's not educating our kids. Um, so um, again, the sort of whole, you know, all the talk about income inequality. I mean, I, that, I think income inequality is permeates every, almost everything that you see today, and that, and I think that's uh, it certainly permeates the um, it certainly is part of um, the re, the resegregation that we are seeing. Um, so it's funny that we should be celebrating Brown v. Board, and then we have this whole sort of resegregation um, that has taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, so black PhDs, the first black woman who got a PhD, um, uh, she was, uh, um, I'm trying to remember her name, but um, or the first black man who got a PhD. It, it certainly was a struggle. Um, we know that for sure. Um, because we were, as I said before, we were coming out of nothing, from nothing, mm-hmm. In, and when I say that, I don't mean that we weren't educated, but we are coming out of a system which, uh, where it was legal, it was legal to deny us an education. It was okay to deny us an education. Um, so um, we had a lot of catching up to do. 
Um, but you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think we 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 know we I mean, based on what people and what uh, you know what people have done, what um, people have done before us, we know for sure and uh, we understand that of course we can do the work that it takes to um, to earn a doctorate. Um, we are, I think we are very clear about that now, and um, uh, and I hope we are also very clear that it was a struggle um, for those who came before us. One of the things I think we tend to forget is that um, the doctor in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a doctorate. Um, it is a PhD, so he himself um, was quite a role model um, for all of us as well. Um, very much a man of the people, but certainly um, someone who um, had achieved that level um, of education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, talk about your work with with young girls. You have you have expanded your your mentoring to um, to children. Will you talk about that a little? Sure. So, I think I mentioned before we once we once the women. Um, came together to help each other form community around um, the dissertation and the doctorate, uh, the idea, the, the, the next step for us was to um, give back or reach back and um, mentor young girls of color from low-income families so they themselves could graduate from high school, go on to college, and then... Um, have and then have at least have the um, the qualifications or the opportunity to go even further than that. We we don't we don't tell the girls in our program you have to get a doctorate or you have to get a PhD, but we certainly say you have to get a college degree. And what we are seeing now is that once they get to college and they get that degree, they want to go further. So that that was kind of the idea in the first place. Um, so we work with we start with the girls in our program in um, elementary and middle school, and then we follow them through high school and college graduation. So girls actually grow up in our program. Um, they spend an average of anywhere from five to nine years in our program before they go on to college, and then we stick with them through their college years to make sure that they have everything they need in order to. Um, graduate from college. So it's a deep relationship with girls and their families. Um, this is the sort of the time span gives us that opportunity to really get to know the, 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 the girls, to really get to know the families. Um, and I think that's one of the, um, well, that's one of the unique things um, about our program, which we didn't start off as having that as a goal, but it kind of sort of happened organically. Um, and in addition, so the girls are mentored, um, they get their mentoring from the women doctoral students. They also get, uh, we also take them um, every year during their spring break, we take them to spend four days on a college campus. Um, and the idea is to demystify college, for them to begin to see themselves on a college campus. Because once you start talking about low income um, children, you're also talking most likely for the most part, you're also talking about first-generation college students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, 
four days on a college campus to demystify college. Um, one of our more memorable visits was to Princeton University, um, where we met the first woman president of Princeton, um, President Shirley Tillman, who um, I think it was last year that she retired. And also a very wonderful visit with um, Dr. Cornell West when he was there. He's no longer at Princeton. He's now in New York at uh, the Union Theological Seminary. But at that time, he was at Princeton, and we were scheduled to spend 30 minutes with him, and we ended up spending an hour and a half, which was really mm-hmm. wonderful for our young, for, for our young girls. Um, so we do college visits, and then we also do workshops, including Um, an annual social skills and leadership workshop where girls learn how to become leaders, how to dress appropriately for different social occasions, how to communicate well with others, sort of the etiquette, and we are doing more around the etiquette of social media, what you do and don't do with social media, um, and um, also the etiquette of dining um, at a formal sort of dinner. So those are the kinds of things um, that we um, that we we do with our girls. And again, the whole idea, of course, again, is to create community so that um, uh, um, our um, our girls understand that they they are adults who care about them and about um, them being successful in life. Um, and um, certainly um, so that they would um, also understand that they too can do what their mentors are doing, which is basically persevering um, and being successful with their education. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as a lawyer, I'm, I'm very interested in the intersection that you, you have in your law degree and your Ph.D., and I wonder if you would speak about women who, women of color who have an advanced degree and are considering a PhD. So whether it's a, a master's or um, a, a law degree, a JD, or um, even an MD, uh, what is your advice? What were the considerations for you in getting a Ph.D. in addition to your law degree? Right. Well, um, you know, things, um, I think, in general in life um, don't sort of happen, um, how do you put it, chronologically or smoothly or seamlessly, right? There's always, mm-hmm. um, some, you know, a lot of times what we do um, just kind of uh, sort of... Um, how do you say, it kind of flows, kind of comes, it kind of happens just because it happens, not so much um, sometimes because you plan and sometimes in spite of your, your planning or sometimes because you don't plan at all, right? Um, <laughs> so, um, so I had always wanted to get a PhD, again, because I grew up with a, a leader of a country, a prime minister who himself had a PhD, and I always felt that I wanted one too because he had one and he was a wonderful person. So I wanted to be a wonderful person. I wanted to have a, a, a PhD. <laughs> um, so that has always been what I wanted. But then when I got to um, when I got to college and I went to Douglas College, which is the women's college at Rutgers, the State University of New, of, of New Jersey, when I got to Douglas. Um, I had a professor there who um, encouraged me 
to um, apply to law school. He, his, he had a sister who was a lawyer, and he um, felt that um, given um, uh, my grades and given um, my dedication to my education, that he thought that I, I, that I should look into becoming a lawyer. So that's kind of, so I sort of applied to, uh, to law school based on this advice, not really knowing much about law school anyway, but decided, hey, I should take this advice, let me try it, and actually got into law school um, and then decided that uh, and, and while I was waiting for, to hear about law school, um, I also was taking classes um, towards my doctorate at Rutgers, and so um, uh, once I got accepted, I sort of went to law school, um, and then um, while I was after my first year of law school, I asked um, one of the deans if I could continue working on my um, doctorate, and she gave me permission to do that. So I continue, So I was working my second and third year of law school. I was book, working both on my law degree as well as on my uh, my PhD. But that mm-hmm. just kind of sort of happened that way. Um, not, uh, not that I had planned it, but it sort of happened. But I always knew that the PhD was something that I always wanted, and I was not willing to give up to give up that dream. Um, and then I pract- then I graduated from law school, practiced law for a while as a litigator with a New York City law firm, and while I was there, one of the questions that kind of popped into my head one day was, so if you were to die tomorrow, what would be your greatest regret? And my greatest regret would be not getting the doctorate, so that's when I went back to school and um, got my PhD. Um, So I think your question is, how do I tell people who want to, who are already, have a, a sort of... Um, higher degree and want to do a PhD. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, well, first of all, um, I think the JD is really, well, having a law degree and also having some experience practicing law is really um, a sort of experience, I think, that I'm not sure could be duplicated elsewhere. Let me just put it that way. I think um, I, I I know um, uh, I know a lot of um, lawyers and I know a lot of PhDs, and um, um, I could tell you that the attention to detail mm-hmm. uh, that lawyers have, and the ability to sort of look at many different sides of one issue, which is something I didn't have before I went to law school, but which I certainly sort of painfully learned because I only wanted to see what I wanted to see. I didn't want to I didn't want to have to I didn't want to be comfortable with different perspectives on one issue, um, especially if those perspectives were not in line with my own values. You see what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So I painfully learned how to be able to look at all different aspects of an issue, what they call, I suppose, critical thinking, uh, mm-hmm. all different aspects of an issue without getting emotional about it. That, that's something mm-hmm. I painfully learned in law school. Um, but which has really served me quite well in, in my life, in my adult life, I must say. Um, so that kind of stuff where a lawyer could sort of um, take, a, take an issue and kind of say, okay, so these are all the different, so this, this is one view of it, this is one argument for it, this is another argument, this is another, there are four, five, six different arguments which are all, quote-unquote, valid, quote-unquote, reasonable to the person who is making the argument, Right, and that mm-hmm. sort of thinking 
and that and the, the ability to really be pay attention to detail, almost to the point of being um, uh, it is a it's a word that we use about people who really uh, sort of it, it, being being able to pay, to pay attention to really great detail. I think is something that lawyers do quite well um, because of their training um, and because of the experience out uh, in the world. That I think that as PhDs. Um, PhDs could, could do well to sort of um, have those kinds of skills. Um, I think which are not only PhDs, but I think we all could do well with having those kinds of skills. But it really, to me, it helps us to be more understanding of people who are very different from us, um, especially when we are able to see all sides of one issue. Um, it really helps us to be, I think, a little more compassionate towards others. Um, and not be so, and not have a sort of um, very sort of rigid or sort of closed view of, of um, any particular issue. So, um, uh, so you know, so that's what, so that's so to come back to saying that. Um, and so I think that the JD and the experience of a lawyer is, is a little is is a little different from um, the sort of training that you get as a PhD. But but what you get at the doctoral level, um, if you are really um, uh, conscious of it and if you're really um, looking to sort of make sure that uh, you hone your skills is, of course, great research and writing skills. I mean, if you mm -hmm. could write a dissertation for, from anywhere from 250 to over 400 um, pages, believe me, your writing has to have made some sort of shift in a positive way. And then the sort of the sort of patience and the, the ability to sort of really um, track, create data, or use data that, that is already there in order to interpret or explain certain phenomena, that is something that's really um, that does the kind of skills that PhDs have, which I think are excellent skills that could be that are transferable. Um, so I think today, especially. PhDs are thinking, or doctorates are thinking more and more about how their skills could be transferred to all kinds of different arenas, because um, you know work, work or jobs in the academy are no longer there. Um, so we have to think about all different ways that the skills we have acquired could be used in all kinds of different settings. So I think it's all. I mean, you know, it's just a matter of. Um, uh, you know, being aware of the skills that you have or the skills that you can hone while you do any of these degrees. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, we have reached the end of the show. Dr. Shereen Lewis is the Executive Director of EduSeed and the founder of Sister Mentors. You can find more about EduSeed at EduSeed.org, E-D-U-C-E-E-D.org, and Sister Mentors at SisterMentors.org. Thank you so much for joining me today, Shereen. This was a pleasure. Well, thank you so much, Allison. Thank you so much again for having me. Audience, you are now officially certified know-it-alls about PhDs and the quest for PhDs. Remember to follow Know It All, the ABCs of Education on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter. Find ABC on Facebook and read my blog at AllisonBrownConsulting.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.